Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Friends, this is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And it's Rose Bowl month as we're talking about some great Rose Bowl moments. And we have a great 1996 account of that bowl game uh, from Joe Ziemba, our good friend and author. And uh, Joe, what do you have to say about the 1996 Rose Bowl? Thank you, Darren. It'll be great fun today to talk about the 1996 Rose Bowl. A lot of intriguing facts about this one, besides that it was perhaps one of the greatest Rose Bowl games ever at the time. But you throw in Kermit the Frog, one team playing on its home field, while the other team had not even had a winning season in 24 years. One team was the holder of the most Rose Bowl appearances in history at that time, while the other one had not even been there in 47 years. So the two teams we're talking about... The University of Southern California ranked 17th under coach John Robinson and had an 8-2-1 record after the 1995 season was concluded. And entering from the Big Ten Conference was Northwestern, a 10-1 mark, number three spot in the nation. And that's where the big surprise was. Northwestern was never thought to be a Rose Bowl contender. And you might ask, why was that? Well, the three preceding seasons under coach Gary Burnett, the club had uh, compiled an 11-32-1 record. Certainly not a national contender at that point, but that was actually an improvement. And as I mentioned, the team had not even had a, a winning season since 1971, with probably the low mark of the era occurring from 1976 through 1981. And, and get this record. During those seasons, the Northwestern Wildcats won three games, lost 62, and tied one. So we can see why that just uh, a few years later, the next decade, here they were in the Rose Bowl. And how the heck did that happen? Coach Barnett, of course, should get most of the accolades for the turnaround of the Northwestern football program. But even more specifically, Coach Barnett himself 
He traced the resurgence or the resurrection to the four-year series that was just concluding with the University of Notre Dame. Apparently, the media agreed. Bill Jouse, writing in the Chicago Tribune the day before the game, on September 1, 1995, wrote that a four-year Northwestern Notre Dame series closes with Saturday's game at South Bend. Unless a gigantic upset occurs, the Irish will win the series four games to none. But does that make the series a total loss for Northwestern? Of course not, said Coach Barnett. He was telling people that the great exposure comes when you play the good teams. And he said that's what happened with Notre Dame. Uh, Some of the fans are educated about Notre Dame, so they learn about every Notre Dame opponent. And he said, I'm sure a lot of fans who didn't know much about us before do now because of this series. And this is before the game in 1995. And Barnett added, I believe that our playing Notre Dame helped our recruiting somewhat. Top players want to play for top schools that line up and play opponents such as Notre Dame. And then on Saturday, September 2nd, Northwestern pulled off the gigantic upset, defeating Notre Dame 17-15. to There were a lot of uh, shaking of the heads and sadness in South Bend. In fact, columnist Bill Moore of the South Bend Tribune said this might have been the low water point in Lou Holtz's, Coach Lou Holtz's Notre Dame tenure. And the Northwestern quarterback, Steve Schnur, said, I don't think we really know how big this victory is yet. No one did. But the Chicago Sun-Times called the win over Notre Dame the upset of the century. And now, big things were expected in Northwestern. But unfortunately, hopes for a wonderful season came crashing down the next week when, in a home game, Northwestern was upset by Miami of Ohio 30-28. to But all was not lost. Coach Barnett rallied the troops, and they ran off nine straight victories to conclude the regular season, finishing with a 10-1 mark and undefeated in the Big Ten qualifying them for the Rose Bowl on January 1st, 1996. Out on the West Coast, Southern Kell started out the season with an amazing record of 6-0, knocking off any and all opponents that came into the Memorial Coliseum in Los Angeles, their home field, which also would be the site of the Rose Bowl. And then Southern Cal traveled all the way out to Notre Dame Stadium, same place where Northwestern had played earlier, and this time... The Trojans were defeated by Notre Dame 38-10. The following week, Southern Cal tied Washington 21-21 and what seemed like an ironclad grasp on the Rose Bowl bid was starting to look a little shaky. Southern Cal then bounced back, won two of their last three games to uh, qualify for the Rose Bowl, though they were tied top the Pac-10 standings with Washington. The tiebreaker rule was enforced and Southern Cal got the bid for the January 1st game. Coach Robinson's club was led by a name that might sound familiar, Keyshawn Johnson, the receiver who led the team in receptions with 102 catches for 1,434 yards and seven touchdowns during the season. And although they would use two quarterbacks, Brad Otten would get most of the snaps or all of the snaps in the Rose Bowl as the team prepared to face Northwestern. It was strange indeed to have Northwestern in the Rose Bowl, and a bit of controversy ensued when announcer Keith Jackson 
made the quote about the Cinderella team by saying, We've had all the romance. Now let's find out if she can dance. Of course, the Northwestern fans printed up T-shirts that said, This was no damn miracles. They were talking about the chances of their team. And 50,000, it was believed, Northwestern fans piled into the Rose Bowl Stadium for the big game itself. One of the biggest changes for Northwestern after having all of those uh, tough seasons, shall we say, coming into the Rose Bowl season was the media attention. Halfback Darnell Autry of Northwestern told an interviewer that one of the biggest things about the season that changed for the Wildcats was, was the media attention. He said at first it was just our school officials telling us, you guys are going to get more attention than usual. Then we started having closed practices, and then they would have to pull us away from the media. It used to be we would invite people to our practice and say, please, come out, just give us 10 minutes, come on, give us a look. And now the media was everywhere. The Associated Press summarized in an article what many football fans were probably feeling by saying, the very idea of Northwestern playing in the Rose Bowl, much less winning it, seemed absurd at the start of the season. Far-fetched, even a month later, fanciful, right down to the end. But here they were. Yet despite Northwestern's superior record, Southern California entered the game as a three-point favorite. The Trojans had made 27 appearances in the Rose Bowl, winning 19 times. Northwestern, of course, had not been to the Rose Bowl since 1949, and Coach Barnett was starting to focus some of his early defensive efforts on Keyshawn Johnson. He said he's tall, six foot four, much bigger than any of the fine receivers we've faced this season, said Barnett. He runs about a four foot point five. He has great feel for the game. When the ball's in his hands, he makes people miss. He's a game breaker. A go-to guy in the Southern Cal offense is designed around him. Northwestern's defense was tremendous, one of the tops in the nation that year, and it was anchored by Pat Fitzgerald, now the coach at Northwestern, but he was injured for this game. Fitzgerald was the National Player of the Year on defense, and he would be sorely missed. But Bob Davey, who was then the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, talked about Northwestern, saying, Any team that leads the nation in scoring defense is for real. The bottom line is that they are for real. Wisconsin assistant Brian White also praised Northwestern, saying, They play well as a team. They were as together as a team as anybody we faced all year. I think a lot of their success comes from the fact that nobody really cares who gets the credit. When game day finally arrived with 75-degree weather, over 100,000 people crammed into the Rose Bowl. And by the way, we should mention that the Grand Marshal of the parade was none other than Kermit the Frog. The first quarter ended in a 7-7 deadlock, but then in the second period, Southern Kell took a commanding 24-7 lead, thanks in part to a 53-yard fumble return for a touchdown. And that was with just less than three minutes to go in the half. The momentum of the game then took a slight shift late in the first half. In fact, with 12 seconds to go, Northwestern's down 24-7, to and Southern California has the ball. Would the Wildcats give up at this point? Maybe, but nope, not Northwestern. A fumble was forced, the Wildcats recovered, and with only 10 seconds or so to go, kicked a field goal to cut the lead at halftime to 24-10. to 
And then the third quarter, Northwestern came out, kicked a field goal. Lead is now 24 to 13. And then surprised Southern Cal with an onside kick that was recovered. A touchdown was scored, and now it was 24 to 19 midway through the third period. When the Wildcats' Josh Barnes recovered that onside kick, there wasn't a Trojan within two yards of the ball, and Coach Robinson of Southern Cal later said that it was easily the worst play of the game for his team. He called it a horrible play. But then, with Southern Cal leading 24-19, to Northwestern's worst nightmare occurred as Keyshawn Johnson caught a 56-yard touchdown pass from Otten, and with the extra point, Southern Kell led 31-19. to Again, it was decision time for the Wildcats. Could they come back or just simply roll over against the firepower of Southern California? But Northwestern got back into it with a touchdown by Steve Schnurr, the quarterback, of one-yard run and an extra point. It was 31-26, to advantage Trojans at the end of three periods. And then, early in the fourth quarter, Darnell Autry of Northwestern scored on a two-yard run. Although the conversion failed, Northwestern, after being down 24-7, now led the Trojans 32-31 in the fourth quarter. Would the lead hold? Unfortunately for Northwestern, no. A field goal with nine minutes left gave the lead back to Southern Cal. Still plenty of time for football. Port Northwestern was unable to dent the goal line again. And with three minutes left, a running touchdown at two yards gave Southern California the final, 41-32. The offensive numbers for Southern Cal were staggering. Brad Otten, the quarterback, completed 29 of 44 passes for 391 yards. And then Keyshawn Johnson grabbed 12 of those for 216 yards. The Los Angeles Times was truly surprised or amazed at the performance of Johnson. It said, All Johnson requires is that the ball be in the air. He catches balls behind him. He catches them in crowds of four. He catches them at his shoe tops. He caught 12 passes for 260 yards Monday. Almost every one of them was a dagger in the heart of Northwestern. Without him, the Cinderella's live happily ever after. The slipper fits. The band plays. The prince takes her to Camelot. There would be no Camelot for the Cinderella team from Northwestern for the 1996 Rose Bowl, though Darnell Autry, the gifted halfback, had 32 rushes for 173 total yards, including three touchdowns and six pass receptions. But it was the magic of Otten and Keyshawn that really impressed everyone, including Northwestern coach Barnett. He said, Otten and Keyshawn were a little above everyone else. Even when we knew Otten was going to throw to Keyshawn, we couldn't stop it. That's the best job of quarterbacking I've seen in a long time. And Keyshawn, well, he must have caught 100 passes. He's the best we've played this season. In the quiet of the Northwestern locker room, Darnell Autry, the very successful halfback, reflected on the season that brought Northwestern from rags to riches in the college football world. He had no regrets, he said. There were so many different things I'd take away from this game and this season. I'll remember every game, every play, and every game, and every guy on this team. There's disappointment, but we're proud of everything we've done this season.
And in a fitting tribute to both teams, the Los Angeles Times summarized the game as follows by saying, The game was what the fight mob calls a crowd pleaser. Like a bar fight between two drunks, all offense. But it was exciting, the kind of game every Rose Bowl should be. One of the best ever. You hope Cinderella gets a sequel. If the Wildcats get one without Keyshawn Johnson to chase, they might even get one that can live happily ever after. Thank you, Darren. I appreciated the opportunity to talk about the 1996 Rose Bowl and that Cinderella team from Northwestern, which, once it's uh, got its program reversed, has been quite successful. We won't count the last two years ever since. Thanks again. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.